Still going. I saw it. There we go. Um, Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to The Real Investing Show. This is Stephen Earp with my co-host, the great Taylor Davis. Good Taylor, morning. You? And we've got a really special guest that I'm just meeting today. So, Taylor, why don't you introduce Russell? Yeah. So, this is Russell Hunt. We've known each other for a little while now, a year and a half, two years, something like that, and uh, been... Uh, I've learned so much from this guy, honestly, like he he's at a, he's on another level. He just he shakes his head like he's not, but, but he really is. Um, so Russell, tell us a little bit about you. Um, you are, obviously this is a real estate investing podcast. So uh, you do real estate investing. <laughs> I do. Uh, I started out in the, I started out in the residential game uh, back when I was in college buying pretty low end rent houses all that I could afford. Um, I, I did that for, for quite a while. Um, I, I really enjoyed that side of the market. I like, um, I like helping people get into properties that normally couldn't. And I like to, I like to buy properties that most people don't like. Um, I still do that to, to this day. Um, but, but I started out in residential and I, uh, I, I, I did all types of investing. Um, this was back in the mid to late nineties. Um, but I did, I did flips and I did rentals and I did, you know, wholesaling, even though it wasn't wholesaling back then. Um, it was just, it was a different world back then because there wasn't so much, um, there wasn't so many people in it and there wasn't so much knowledge about real estate investing back then. It was kind of a different world. Yeah. I really, along those lines, how did you, how did you get into real estate? Cause it's not like you had all the podcasts that you do today and the resources. How did you decide to get into real estate? Yeah. I was gonna say, why, like, why did you choose? I had a, I had a professor in college, my freshman year, who was a personal finance professor and he would come in and before class, he would talk about real estate. He would talk about the real estate he owned and he kind of got me excited about it because I was thinking, you know, I could make money without having to work. It sounded like a dream job. So I thought, man, I'll, I'll just buy real estate and then I won't ever have to have a job. And so that was really my goal was to just start buying real estate, start collecting money and not ever having to actually work. And so he got me really excited about it. And so then I started doing research and I went to the library. And at the time, this was, you know, like I said, back in the early 90s, there was like three books on real estate in the entire library. It wow. was ridiculous. So. So, I, of course, I read those books and I really started studying until, you know, I, I, I thought I had to be 18 to buy a property. So I waited and just practiced, learned, kind of learned the market more than anything else. And then the, the month after I turned 18, I started buying as fast as I could. Really? So, OK, once you turned 18, so, so you start buying, are you buying and holding, you buying and flipping? What were you what was your strategy there? I was everything I was doing at first was buy and hold. I didn't know any different because sure. the only the only people I had seen do property just bought the property and kept it forever. So I thought that was the only way. I didn't know any different. So I, I'm interested in your very first property. Um, uh, what like what was your first your very first deal? Like how did you buy it? You say you, you waited till you were 18, but like how did you buy it? How did you finance it? How did you find it? Found uh, I found an ad in the newspaper in the classified ads, um, because that's how I found properties back then was in the classifieds. 
It was a little three line ad. It was house for sale, $10,000. It was a two bed, one bath. I, uh, I went over there, looked at it. The, the gentleman that met me there was the owner. He was 70. Oh, he was 70. Yeah. Oh, he'll come back. Yeah. I wonder if he, okay. You there go. he goes. All right. I now I'm on the edge of my seat. He was 70. <laughs> he was 70 is what we heard. Okay. He was 77 years old, I think. And he had owned this property for a long time. And so he, uh, you know, he was like, you know, are you interested? And I mean, I looked at this house and I mean, I'm just blown away that I can buy a house for $10,000 and the house was in pretty good shape. I mean, he had just had a tenant move out. He didn't want to mess with tenants anymore. And so it was decent. And so I was like, Oh, this is, this is great. So, um, you know, I told him I wanted it and he said, well, I don't want all the money. And I was like, okay. And he said, I'll tell you what he said. If you'll give me, uh, if you'll give me three thousand dollars down, then I'll finance the rest of it. <laughs> and I had, I had no idea this was even an option. So I was like, "Sounds good to me." <laughs> so I gave him three thousand dollars that day, and then, and then for some reason, he ended up selling it to me for eight thousand dollars, or no, eighty five hundred, because I, I financed the fifty five hundred dollars over three years. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, this- so your first deal. The seller says, I want to finance this for you. Right. Or I just want to know, like, just to be clear, this is an elderly gentleman and he was only asking 10 grand and you beat him down by 1500 bucks. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know deal. how that happened because I wouldn't have known to even do that back then. <laughs> yeah. I, I, had, I had no skills whatsoever. So Yeah. So then did, did you have to fix it? Did you just straight rent it out? All, all I did was we put new flooring in there. We went and put carpet in. And, uh, we probably looking back, I didn't need to do that, but I didn't know any different. So I, uh, I did that, but that, that was all I did. And then I rented it. Wow. So, okay. So let's fast forward a few years later, cause you've got a, a, a tenured career here. Mm-hmm. So, so let's go into like 2008 happens, right? Like this is, uh, so market goes kind of crazy in 2003, four, five, things are great. Then you start to see things kind of shift and people well, are start- in, in 2003, I had started seeing the shift. So in 2003, I started selling. Okay. And at that time I had about a hundred houses and I started selling them off. And when, when I started putting signs out for them for sale, people would call me and they would ask, you know, they wouldn't ask how much the property was. They would ask how much it was down and how much a month. And once again, me not knowing what anything about anything, you know, it was kind of a light bulb for me that, you know, that was that was how I had to sell these houses. And so that's how I got into rent to own was kind of by happenstance, just because people were calling me, asking me how much down and how much a month. OK. And so, so between between 03 and 05, I ended up selling practically the entire portfolio on wow. rent owns because the numbers weren't making sense anymore. The 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 rents hadn't hardly gone up at all, but the property values had doubled. And so I decided I better, I better get out while the market's good. And so I sold most of them between 03 and 05. Okay. So then you start selling. So, and most of those you sold on, on a, like a rent to own owner. I would say I sold probably 80 to 90% of them on rent owns. Wow. 
Okay. Mm. So out of curiosity, how many of those ended up going through and how many of those did you end up getting back? Almost all of mine went through because I didn't want the properties back. I mean, what I found out was, is I really like just collecting them collecting the payments. I don't really, I don't like to do all the maintenance. I don't like to do all the, the tenant um, customer service work. I like to just collect the payments. So I made sure I got enough money out of them that they weren't going to just hand them back to me. Okay. So most of mine would go through just because of the way I set them up to begin with. Okay. So then you've got a hundred ish houses, 80 to 90 of these are uh, being sold on a, on a rent to own. You've got great passive income coming in at this point, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You probably got a decent amount down. And so you kind of realized some cash. What did you decide to do next as you're starting to see, hey, the residential market isn't where it's at. What did you start to pivot to? Uh, for the meantime, there for a, for a few years, I didn't do a whole lot. Um, okay. 06 and 07, um, I, didn't do, I didn't do near as much in the real estate business. It was just, it was a tough time for me because... I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I still didn't know a whole lot about real estate except for to buy and hold and and do rent owns by that point. And so the market was kind of it was it was kind of weird for me because the market had ran up so much that it was it was hard to it was hard to buy them and be able to sell them like that. So what I did was I waited until 2008 and in October of 08, I started buying again. Okay. And that was kind of after the crash as the, as the houses started coming back in price. Okay. So you started, you wait for these prices to start coming back down and then you start coming in and finding uh, other older people to take advantage of. <laughs> it, the market changed. So it was, there was opportunity again. And once there's right. opportunity, then you have to act when they when the time's right. And in the end of 08, then we started buying again as fast as we could. And then all we were doing were front tones. Okay. So history tends to repeat itself. I'm going to, I, I want to get back into like your transition and, and commercial and all this. And yet right now I want to go ahead and what's your take on today's market? Um, it's, it's in transition, um, especially with, with interest rates where they're at, the market is going to, it's going to continue to transition because with interest rates where they're at, the prices have to come back down because you can't, you can't continue to pay the same prices and get the same return you could when, when interest rates were at three, four, 5%. Now that they're at six, seven, eight percent the, the, the numbers have to change. And that's going to take a little bit of why, I mean, a little bit of time just because the sellers don't want to realize those losses yet. Okay. But it's coming. I mean, it's going to, it's going to get to the point where some people are going to have to sell and then people are going to have to realize that their prices aren't where they used to be. All right. So, so you, so uh, you're, are you kind of, you're in a hold mode right now, kind of waiting for uh, kind of like you did in 06, 07 or? It's, it's, it, no, we're closer to that 08 timeframe. I mean, we're getting to the point where the, the market's about there. Um, it's just, it's just going to take a little while. Okay. Okay. So, so you trans, so, so 2008, you start buying back in, you're buying back in in residential again? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I was doing, I was doing all rent owns then. And I say that I, I had bought, um, I had started buying commercial mixed in because kind of my thought was, is I was going to do rent to owns on residential and then I was going to buy and hold commercial. Okay. And so um, in, in 08, we bought, we bought a mini storage, a pretty big mini storage. In 08, we bought, um, 
uh, we bought another, we bought a couple of industrial buildings, smaller industrial buildings. And then in 2009, we bought a big shopping center. So we were buying commercial at the same time as we were buying the residential. Okay. What made you transition to, cause you don't do residential anymore, correct? Or, or very no. little. Okay. Uh, so how did that transition come about? When was that? What took place? And I, Actually, before we get into that, I'd really love to know, uh, how did you decide that you wanted to go into commercial and you were, if you're doing residential, you're going to do it on a rent to own? Um, the, the residential rent to own was mainly just out of my comfort. Um, I don't, I don't like to do repairs and maintenance. Um, it's not my specialty. I'm not real good at dealing with, uh, dealing with that whole project and the contractors and, and everything that goes into that. So, um, it was better for me to do um, rent-to-owns because what we would do is we would go in. We Back then, you could buy great deals that didn't need a whole lot because pretty much all we did was paint and carpet. So I would buy these houses. I would go in. We'd put new paint, new carpet. I would take a down payment and start collecting payments. And I just did that over and over and over and over again. And we were doing four to six a month. Um, so we were, we were turning a lot of these. But we weren't doing any major construction. We weren't doing any, uh, you know, rewires or re-roofs or mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have to do any of that back then. So were you, where were you finding your deals? Um, I was buying a lot off just an MLS. Um, yeah. But, but then it was a lot of real estate agents were bringing them to us because almost, I mean, it was there for a while, almost any property that came up under $25,000 in Oklahoma city, we were buying. So and there was there was a few of us that were, but it was it wasn't like there was a bidding war. There was there was very few buyers, <laughs> so we were uh, we were buying them about as fast as they would come up, and then we still had to do the work. So gotcha. now, were you um, were you doing some kind of uh, at this point? Did you just have enough cash saved that you were able to do that? Did you have a line of credit that you were using? Like how did you how did you construct these deals, or did, were you trying to do creative financing on the purchase? We were using bank financing on everything and uh, I never had any trouble with financing all the way through the through the recession. Um, we continued to be able to get bank financing whenever and for how much ever we wanted. It was it was, um, you know, you hear all these horror stories, but we were able to still continue to get bank financing. But I had a lot of good relationships. I, I had um, a relationships with multiple banks. And so when one bank would slow down, another one would pick up. So. You know, we, we were still able to get financing, but the, the I think the key to that was, is we did, um, we had some cash, we had some equity, um, we could make it worth the while of the bank that they, they didn't, they knew they weren't going to have to worry about it. There you go. Hmm. That's good. So when, okay, so you transitioned from, what is you say 2009, mostly over to commercial at that point? I didn't go fully in commercial until 2012 when Dodd Frank passed. I stayed in, um, I stayed doing rent to owns pretty much up until Dodd Frank passed. And then once Dodd Frank passed, I, I, I got out of it completely and went strictly to commercial. Okay. Real quick. So, so this passes, you say, I got to get out of this. You have at this point, I mean, probably hundred uh, or a bunch of, properties that you're selling on rent to own, did you just let those continue as they were? Did you try to sell them to another investor? No, as long as, as long as you had done the deal before it was like October of 012, um, 
they're still grandfathered in that you could you could do those before Dodd-Frank passed, but after Dodd-Frank, you couldn't initiate any new ones. So can we just give like give a quick explanation of the Dodd-Frank Act and how it impacts investors? Dodd-Frank technically says that you can't do rent own. You can't do a, a, a anything that looks like an owner finance to a person that's going to occupy the property. Okay. And so... Um, there's still lots of people that are doing it. There's, there's ways to, um, that people are structuring them. Um, I didn't want to take the liability of with as many as we were doing, I didn't want to become a target. And, you know, so I just decided it wasn't worth the risk for, for, for us to keep continuing on. Right. How did it impact the ones you already had in place? Did it impact them or just impacted starting new ones? It just, it just stops the, stop the new process. So 2012, I'm done with the rental side. So I'm done with the residential side. I'm moving to commercial. What'd you start doing? Um, same, same thing I was doing before, just um, buying stuff and holding it and, you know, kind of back to the same game, buying really, you know, lower end properties that most people would overlook. How, so how are you finding your commercial deals, you know, through this time? Well now, okay. Commercial's a whole different, it's a whole different animal. Um, because the commercial agents are, they're, they're different than residential agents in the fact that they don't just like to put their property out there and let everybody look at it like MLS. Um, you know, on the residential side, most agents, you know, they get their properties on the MLS quickly. And on the commercial side, most of them want to double side both, most deals. So they'll delay putting them out and they'll call people and they'll let people know that, you know, we need to, you know, we, we don't want somebody to, to act fast so that we can get this sold so that we can get both sides of the deal. So very few of the deals ever hit the market. And um, the other thing is, is, is if somebody knows what you're looking for, they go out and find it on the commercial side. And it's, it's something like 65 or 70% of all commercial deals are sold off market. So it's really a matter of, of letting people know that you're in the market and that you're looking what you're looking for and waiting on those agents because they usually find the deals before everybody else does. Because a lot of times it, it, there's only so many sellers in the, in the commercial side, there's, there's a lot fewer owners. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, you have to find the agents that know those sellers. So how'd so you get into, go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's more about networking and just maintaining those relationships. And For I sure. assume, I assume with the agents that deal in that, like you've probably had a relationship with some of them for a long time at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how'd you start going about being intentional of like, Hey, I'm going to start building these relationships. I, I mean, you know, it's like everything. I wasn't good at it. Um, I, I, I got lucky a bunch of times. Um, luckily the market back then was, was in the position where, um, they they didn't have a whole lot of buyers so the people that were buying when we would when we would make offers then it was um it was just it was a lot easier back then because there just there wasn't as many buyers there weren't as many buyers it, so i i got really lucky in that fact because i wasn't as good at networking as i should have been and did you have a real specific criteria like you know i'm looking for industrial in this part at this price or what just no i would buy my, my kind of my, uh, 
the, the thing that kind of got me most of my deals was the fact that I would go and I would tell these agents that I'll put a number on anything. I'll put an offer in on any type of property, any type of uh, location. I'll pretty much put a number on anything. So if you just need an offer for your seller, you know, that's, that's where I come in. And so a lot of them would call me because nobody would make offers on some of these properties. And yeah. it was just, it was that kind of time. So. And you'd be like $8,500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you still have a relationship like that? Or do you, I mean, do you still have a philosophy like that in certain um, yes. Areas? Oh yeah. No, I'll put a number on anything. If, if okay. somebody desperately wants an offer, I'll put it, I'll put a number on any type of property, anytime. Yeah. So that's fascinating. First of all, I, I mean, my grandparents were in real estate and we bought our first house when I was 19. I, I have not networked with as many investors as you guys have, but I will say this. I have never heard anyone say that before. <laughs> Everywhere you go, people say you want to have a very specific buy box and here's what you're looking for. But what I hear you saying is my buy box is I'm going to get, if I can get it for my price, I want to have it. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and no, that is definitely unique um, because most, most people like to sit on a certain asset class in certain areas and, you know, I've never, you know, I've never felt like that um, restriction was going to be good um, because there's, there's obviously there's a deal everywhere. So it, it's just a matter of numbers. I mean, it's all about our numbers. So for, so the idea normally, I don't want to just camp on this for a minute because I'm fascinated by this. You, so normally you think about like the key to, one of the major keys to success is, is focusing and continuing to do it over and over. And I think that's why people say, you need to have a very rigid buy box. Um, but what I hear, what I'm hearing is your intense focus and work is just to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. Relentlessly. What about, what about geography? Are you exclusively in this local area or do you spread out beyond that? I kind of, I kind of go back and forth. Um, you know, I always say I would rather, I would rather the properties be somewhere that I'm going to drive every day that, you know, they're going to be something I'm going to drive by in that I've got properties that are an hour away now. Um, I try not to do those things, but if the deal's right, then I'll buy anywhere. So um, in saying that, I'm still not going to go outside of about an hour because if I have an issue with a property, I want to be able to drive there and look at it and, and check it out. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to own stuff in other States. Um, it's just, it's not my uh, cup of tea. Hmm. Interesting. So you start, uh, is there a specific uh, asset class that you started to see? Okay. I'm getting more of these deals. Um, or were you, are you still, are you just pretty all over the board in your asset classes? Well, you know, I would end, I end up with a lot of industrial uh, mainly because of pricing. Um, if you get, you get larger industrial that were vacant back in those, back in the late um, 2009, early 2010, 11, there was a lot of vacant industrial. And so I ended up with a lot of vacant industrial because of that. <laughs> um, you don't run across hardly any vacant anymore because of the marijuana business. When marijuana came into Oklahoma, it took up almost all of our vacant industrial space. And so now, obviously, I'm not getting as many of those. And so, you know, it, it adjusts with the market and the market just at that time, there was a lot of vacant industrial. So once you started to see that there's no longer a vacant industrial and everyone's going into industrial, did you start selling some of those off? I did. 
Okay. And then, yeah, once I mean, you know, if I give what the market gives me or I take yeah. what the market gives me. And if the market if the market's giving me cheap property, then I'll buy. If the market's, you know, overpaying, then I'll sell. So I just kind of do whatever the whatever the market changes to. I love it. How did you tell us a little bit about uh, when did you start getting into hard money lending? And real quick, tell us what hard money lending is. Well, um, hard money lending is pretty much just just loaning to investors that are buying property, um, similar to the way that the banks do it. I mean, you know, and, and at the, in the grand scheme of things, I operate a lot like a bank. I'm just a lot easier to deal with. Um, I started doing that in 2009 and it was pretty much I was I was doing these rent to owns and I was like, the, the thing that would make this easier is if I didn't have to go in and redo the rehab, the house, meet with the meet with the person, do all the paperwork and everything. So I thought, you know, why don't I just loan loan money to these other people that are doing the same thing I am? So I started loaning money then and it just kind of blossomed from there. OK, so now you're doing you do a lot, a lot more today, correct? Of the yeah. I really got serious about it in like 2016. Okay. Um, I kind of, I kind of figured out exactly what I wanted to do on that side and then started, uh, started really ramping up how many, how many loans we were doing. So why would an investor come to you rather than going to a local bank? Speed and a speed and ease. Um, we don't really don't require anything from them. Um, you know, to look at a property, all we need is a copy of their contract pictures of the property and how much they want to borrow. So when, with that, I can analyze the deal within five minutes, 10 minutes max and tell them if, if we can do it or not. And so, you know, if, if somebody wants to close quickly or they don't want to, you know, they don't want to provide everything that a bank needs and they don't want to have that, you know, waiting and not knowing. And, you know, a lot of people just come to us for ease and simplicity. And, and most of your uh, clients that are doing this, so they're an investor, is their plan to go in, we're going to use your money to buy the deal, rehab the deal, and then they're going to either refinance it or sell it within a shorter period of time? It depends. Um, it depends on the timing. You know, in 2009, almost all of our people that were buying were buying holds. They were okay. buying them and, and renting them and they would keep our loans for years because it was just so hard to get financing. Gotcha. Um, now, you know, over the last few years, we did a whole lot of Burr type deals where they would use our money to buy the property. They would go in and then they would refinance us out. Um, we did a whole lot of people were buying and, and fixing them up and reselling them. Um, now that's kind of transitioning again um, because the banks are getting tighter and they can't get they can't get out of them as easy. So, you know, we're keeping the loans a lot longer. So it, it kind of just changes with the market too. Um, give, give what the market gives you. Right. Right. Yeah. But we would rather keep our loans long term if possible. So we it's better for us if we can keep them longer. Yeah. It, so are you do you have I mean, this is I don't know, maybe a little bit of a meta question, but like, do, do you enjoy all the different markets or or do you go through a season where you're like, oh, this is just not fun right now? I don't, I don't like it when the market's as hot as it has been. That's when I, that's, that's my least favorite time. And, and it was, it was the same way in 05, 06, 07. Um, yeah, I don't like those markets as well. I really like the, the down markets, the recession markets, because um, I become a lot more active because mm -hmm. there is so many more opportunities. 
And in 2008, nine and 10, there was opportunity everywhere. You couldn't, you couldn't keep from tripping over it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I feel the same. I feel what I feel like is negotiating and things like that. It's just, you have more options now. It's like it where for a couple of years here, it was like your only negotiation is give us your highest and best offer. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, and then it's like, well, okay. Well, and I feel like the last couple of years, if you were a short term flipper, right. You were doing okay. Because if you were off on your number, if you bought a deal and you were off on your numbers, the market probably saved you because right. during that six months it was going up. Right. And so like you could have been in a break even situation or even a loss situation. You come out ahead in this mm-hmm. market. Now we're going to see, you're going to see people that have created bad habits during that market. And (laughs) I've already been seeing that. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of whoops uh, because the market's not going to say, in fact, if anything, you've got to run your numbers as a loss, right? Like the market's depreciating. You got to run your numbers that way. Um, Real quick, let's wrap this up. Russell, I want to know what advice would you give someone who is brand new to investing, interested in investing, kind of on the fence? How do you, what, what advice would you give them right now? Uh, I mean, this is, it's going to be a really good time to buy. I mean, this is, this is the time where you make your money is, is, you know, as the market turns and right now it's in the process of turning, it's just, you know, we've got to, we've got a little bit more time before we get there, but it's, it's, it's coming. Okay. So be prepared. Definitely. Start looking for deals. Definitely. Uh, any, any resources, uh, book, podcast that you recommend? I try to listen to everything. I mean, I, I read a lot. I, I watch a lot. I mean, I, between podcasts and YouTube, you know, I spend hours a day on them. I mean, I, I try to keep up with what's going on and I try to keep, you know, enough knowledge of the market to know where the market's at and where we think it's going to head because the more you can know that the more advantage you have whenever you're looking at deals. Love it. Awesome. Uh, one book recommend one book. You know, the one I started with back in the nineties is still one of my favorites and that's nothing down by Robert G Allen. Um, it was actually the, the original was written in the seventies and it's still just a really good book. Nothing down. I have not read that. It's that, it's super old. I mean, it's a really no. old book. Okay, so that's the first real estate book I ever read. It was it was one of the first ones. Like I said, there was only three in the library at the time. So yeah, I read it in the early nineties. Yeah, so. that's awesome. And that's then yeah, there was a second. The second one I read, I I forget what it's called. Anyway, for like two weeks, I've been trying to remember who it was. It was a brown book, and uh, I remember seeing it, and I read it over and over. But. Huh. Anyway, some other it was if I mentioned the name, you would know him. It wasn't Robert Allen, but it was some other huh. one of the early guys. So it dealt yeah. mostly with cash flow. Everything you a lot of the early stuff you read was all only about cash flow. They didn't talk about appreciation much. Where appreciation is really where the massive wealth comes, you know. But cash flow is what allows you to continue. So anyway. well, for so long in Oklahoma, we didn't have appreciation, so it was good not to bank on it. But now, yeah. you know, we've really had a lot of it in the last few years. But I don't yeah. think that's going to continue over the next few. So yeah, yeah, uh-huh. awesome. Really great to meet you, Russell. Um, you too. Thank you so yeah. much, man. Yeah, this is a lot of value. I love your perspective. I'm going to be thinking honestly. I I'm going to be thinking for the next two weeks or a month about the concept that you don't like. You don't focus in on. It's not that you don't focus, but you don't have a very 
um, exclusive buy box. That's really what it is, I guess. Yeah. No, I definitely keep my possibilities open. I love that. I love that. That's really that's really encouraging to me, actually. And so, um, cool. cool. Well, thank you guys so much. Anything else to before we close up, Taylor? No. Hey, this was great, Russell. As always, I appreciate your insight. Yeah. Anytime. Appreciate you guys for uh, thanks, Russell, for being on, and uh, thank you guys for watching or listening wherever you're listening from. Let us know uh, who you are, where you're from. Please like, comment, and share, and send us your questions about uh, real estate investing or anything we can help you with. Thanks a lot, guys. Yep. See ya.